Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. In the long, hot summer of 2017, a video posted to Facebook captured the screams of detainees inside St. Louis's minimum security institution, better known as the workhouse. Help us, one man cried. We ain't got no AC. The viral video drew attention to the 167-year-old jail. It largely houses people who have yet to be convicted of any crime, who are just too poor to post bail. Yet conditions inside reportedly have included black mold, dangerously hot and cold temperatures, moldy food and, quote, rats as big as cats. Two and a half years have passed since that video. Arch City defenders filed a class action lawsuit over jail conditions. Activists called for its closure. Even Ben and Jerry's got involved. But the city continued to defend its use. In November, Mayor Lyda Krusen touted a grand jury report finding the facility was, quote, professionally run, clean, and transformed. Public safety director Jimmy Edwards offered tours to TV and radio reporters. He touted, quote, millions in investment, including new floors, showers, sinks, restrooms, and plumbing. But the Close the Workhouse campaign wasn't dead. It had maybe just gone dormant. This week, it launched a new phase in its quest to shut down the jail with some new allies. Now, in a little bit, Mayor Lyda Krusen has asked to join us to talk about the workhouse. But first, we want to talk about Close the Workhouse 2.0. And joining us today to do just that is Kayla Reed. She's co-founder of the campaign and the architect of, of all the buzz you're hearing around this issue. So, Kayla, welcome to the show. That's flattering. Thank you for having me. So, Judge Edwards and the grand jurors have said this facility is not the hellhole that we've all been told it is. What do you know about current conditions? Is it possible that even if things were terrible in 2017, that they've now fixed the problem? Yeah, I think that the conversation often gets reduced to a conversation about conditions. And for the campaign, the conditions is just one facet of a multi-layered um, reasoning that we want this, we want to see this jail closed. Um, so yes, it is a fact that the city has spent money to improve conditions. Have we still heard complaints about poor conditions? Absolutely. Um, one of our partners in the campaign, the Bell Pro Project, routinely um, is in the workhouse hearing stories from those directly impacted by our pretrial system here in St. Louis around the conditions where there are parts of the facility that I think Public Safety Director Jimmy Edwards often shows on tours, and there are parts where we've heard of ceilings being collapsed, parts that have had to be completely shut down. And overall, what we are saying is beyond the conditions, we need to have a conversation about how we do pretrial in this city. And if we did it properly, this facility would not be needed at all. And that's actually a great transition to our next guest. We mentioned you have some new allies, and one of them is with us today in studio. Uh, Mary Pat Carl was the lead homicide attorney under former Circuit Attorney Jennifer Joyce. And she has announced she'll be challenging current Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner in the Democratic primary this August. And she now supports the Close the Workhouse campaign. Mary Pat, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. For those of you listening, we do want to invite you to join the conversation. Do you think the city should close the workhouse? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Mary Pat, you've kind of made your name as a law and order kind of person. Why come out in favor of closing the workhouse? Because I think it's necessary. Because I think you can still want to hold people accountable and look at the situation and say, we can do better. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this paradigm of the city of St. Louis not having a pretrial services division so that people, if they can't post bail, they end up in places like the workhouse. What would you like to see happen in regards to that situation? 
I think it's time for prosecutors' offices to step in. I think it's time to look at the situation and say, um, how can we contribute? What programs can we put in place? And I think it's time for everybody to put their resources on the table and examine the situation for what they have that we can change what pre-child detention looks like in St. Louis, especially for nonviolent offenders. In terms of how the system works, who would need to take the lead on establishing a pre-trial services department? Is that the city? Is that the, the court itself? So, I, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is there all of the above? Yeah. Yes. I think it needs, uh, it needs the judges on board. It needs, um, it needs the prosecutor's office on board. It needs probation and parole on board. Um, I think it needs a lot of people at the table, but I think that's possible. Yeah. Now, and it needs funding, which we have a pot of money, $60 million to be exact, that we would free up by closing this facility to be able to invest into uh, newer programs that would strengthen the way that we do pretrial in this region. And this, I think, is one reason that your press conference this week got so much buzz, is you weren't just making an argument about the inhumanity of this workhouse. You're also making a fiscal argument. And Alderwoman Kara Spencer, Dan Gunther, and Jesse Todd have introduced a resolution that would reappropriate the $16 million the city currently spends on the workhouse. They say that closing the workhouse is as simple as canceling the city's contract to house federal detainees. And they say that contract is actually costing city money, thanks to the cost of keeping the workhouse in operation. Let's mm-hmm. listen to Alderwoman Kara Spencer describe the math on that. Right now, the reason we have a federal contract that houses about 250 people on average. It happens to be the almost the exact same number of people as we have in the workhouse. Okay, if we were to eliminate it, we could literally move everybody over and have room. The federal contract nets us about $5 million a year, but it costs us $16 million a year to keep the facility open that's necessary to house, to house those additional 250 people. So we would actually save well over $10 million a year by eliminating that contract and moving everybody over. That contract, that's, we get about $80 a day for those federal detainees. But if you take the total prison population in the care of St. Louis City right now and divide it by the cost that we spend annually to house them, we are spending well over $100 a day per person to house people. That's Alderwoman Kara Spencer. Um, Kayla, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch editorial page, among others, they've been pretty critical of this campaign over mm-hmm. time because they seem to assume that closing the workhouse means everybody would have to be released. But that's not what this argument is currently saying at this point. Well, I want to be factual that the campaign actually truly believes that people should not be caged when they have not been convicted of a crime. Um, and and part of the reason that we have responded with the 2.0 report is to address a lot of the misinformation that has been widespread about the campaign. So when the Post-Dispatch editorial board responded that we need to um, detain these people, and there's often this phrase that's used around violent offender, well, we've done the work in the report on page nine of breaking down the charges of the folks who are in the workhouse as um, as of November 2019. And part of it is that, you know, this kind of false dichotomy of violent and nonviolent really doesn't allow us to see the nuances. And overall, be- beyond that, people have bail amounts. And if you are wealthy in this city and you are charged with the exact same crime, you are able to go home. And for the majority of the folks in the workhouse, they are not able to go home simply because they are poor. If they were considered violent and had money, they would be home. When they are poor and considered violent, they are kept in jail. And when we 
first started this campaign, they would be in jail for almost an entire year pre-trial. That is atrocious. And as I stated at the press conference, the workhouse continues to be a stain on the city. And as Alderwoman Spencer laid out, the math is there, the economic reasons are there, the moral reasons are there, and it's really time to move this conversation forward. It's not a protest culture versus the city. It's really about a regional transformation that allows us to lead the nation in how we think about pre-trial reform. And you said you crunched the numbers on the people who are there now and, and what their situation is. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you found. Yeah, so like I said on page nine on, on the report, which you can find on closetheworkhouse.org, um, we have 13.2% of the folks currently in the workhouse on drug-only charges, 5.3% on possession of firearm-only charges, 11.6% on property damage-only charges, 6.3% on misdemeanor-only misdemeanor charges, 1.6% um, on resisting arrest-only charges. All of these folks have a bail amount set. And if they were able to have that money, they would not be in the workhouse. And so it is about canceling the federal contract and moving people to one facility, but it's also about making sure that people are not being held simply because they're poor. Mary Pat, as a prosecutor, speak to that. I mean, that population that's in there. Do you think a lot of those people um, could be released while they wait for trial? I, I do. And here's a point about that. Most of those people that it, when they ultimately resolve their cases, even if they're found guilty by a plea or by trial, they're unlikely to be incarcerated after their finding of guilt. So I think that that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. Like, why are we incarcerating people that we don't feel dangerous after they've admitted or been convicted of a crime that we've decided that before they've actually been um, convicted of a crime that we're holding them? And then we're taking people out of the community in that pretrial detention for a year or more, and then we're setting them up then to fail on probation. Mm -hmm. Because what we've done is we've removed them from work, we've removed them from their family, Absolutely. we've let life gone on a year without them, and then we've put them back and say, please pick up where you've left off 10 steps back from where you began. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that that's why programs are important and why we can do it a safer way if we get people sort of in a pre-probation state and on the right road from the beginning. Uh, we've actually got a number of, of callers who'd like to talk to us. I'm going to go to the phone lines. Dave is calling from St. Louis. Hi, Dave. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. Uh, hello. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is around the City Justice Center. Um, it seems to be, I, I read the uh, Close the Workhouse report this week, and it just seems like a no-brainer that the population in the workhouse could be moved to the City Justice Center. The workhouse could be closed down and $16 million dollars be reinvested in very proportional and very appropriate ways to help the population of this city um, that are that are poor and marginalized. So I just wanted to bring that up about moving the, the simple fact of just moving them out and closing it seems like a very simple process. Dave, thank you for that comment. Um, Mary Pat, as a prosecutor, I'm sure you're familiar with the Justice Center, which would be the jail that would stay open if the workhouse closed. Is that overall a better place uh, for people to be if we can't manage to find ways to get them to post bail? Sure. I think it's a you know, if they're if they need to, if we find a finding is made by a court that a person needs to be um, detained prior to a resolution of a case, um, the justice center of the two options is the better. It's a new is the better option. It's a newer facility, um, and the same kind of complaints still come out of the the justice center as do MSI. But I really think and MSI is another way of saying workhouse for those that don't know. But um, I do think that there are ways that we can also um, 
decrease the number of people in the Justice Absolutely. Center. And, and, and I don't think we should stop and say, okay, let's just move bodies here mm-hmm. um, when we're, re- you know, we've got an opportunity to reimagine things. And so I think, you know, Dave's right and the math is right. There is a simple move here, but we're at a crossroads where we can really examine what this looks like. Yeah. And, um, and you know, sometimes it's as simple as how much faster can we get people to a resolution of their case? That's Absolutely. an important piece, too, yeah. because, um, you know, if you want to take it from a victim perspective, that's important. That's an important voice at this table. Victims want a faster resolution as well. So we that works for everybody on every side of the case. So why aren't we going that way? Yeah, and we saw kind of a snippet of this in um, over the summer when our, one of our campaign partners, again, our city defenders, won a temporary injunction against the city around cash bail, forcing judges to increase the number of folks that they were seeing, ask questions around how much uh, they can afford around their bail. And we saw an increase in the number of people who were let out um, without on the promise to return. We saw a decrease in the average number of bail amounts. And we saw people actually being able to go home at the rates that we see in larger cities like Washington, D.C., and New York and other places. And so really, you know, the the workhouse is a symptom of a, of a slow-moving system that we need to accelerate. And then also, we save a lot of money in doing it. And so the reasoning behind this campaign, again, is multi-tiered. It's not just wanting to eliminate a building. It's about the building being a product of a broken system that we need to fix. Uh, I read an interview that the mayor did a couple years ago where she was talking about how one of her big goals was to shrink the city's jail population. And Mm -hmm. she talked about the need to coordinate with multiple different actors to do that. That jail population, as you say, has shrunk. Do you give the mayor credit for that at this point? No, I don't. Um, I think that there are a few... um, Entities that are really significant to that, I think one, the current circuit attorney, Kim Gardner, um, is is pushing reforms that help to decrease the pretrial um, population. And I think that our campaign partner, the Bell Project, is overwhelmingly responsible for some of the uh, decreases that we've seen in populations, people who have cash bail amounts under the amount of $5,000. It actually strengthens what the mayor has used as a response around this conversation of who's in the workhouse, because the people who were on lower crimes when we started this campaign are often bailed out by our campaign partner. And so those people are getting out in real time thanks to that project. I'm going to go back to the phone lines. Ron is calling from Ferguson. Um, Ron, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. I always appreciate when people use real statistics to make an argument. Uh, And I guess based on the argument, it does seem like the jail, the city uh, uh, jailhouse could be closed. But, I mean, people are, I guess, um, rallying around um, letting uh, potential offenders out early and, and shrinking that rate. I'm, I'm more concerned about shrinking the rate of the homicides. You know, we've had 1,500 homicides in St. Louis since Mike Brown was killed with a, a conviction rate of 23%. Mm-hmm. So I'm always worried that some of those people were let out um, under some of these pretenses and then went out and committed uh, an egregious uh, murder or rape or robbery or carjacking. And I guess the, the, if you're going to let people out, is there any move to put ankle bracelets or something on these on these individuals to kind of help ensure that they don't go out and commit violent crimes against an innocent citizen. Um, Ron, thank you for that call. That's a good question. Um, Mary Pat Carl, what do you think about that? I know nobody wants more murders in the city of St. Louis. Do you think ankle bracelets is something that would be a good thing? Right. I'm not sure ankle bracelets solve um, the issues surrounding murders in our city right now. Um, I don't know. You know, I think there are. I think here's where you'll see um, where 
leadership here has some overlap and where we, I think Kayla's going to jump in because, you know, we've got a lot that we share and in some ways we we part. I think um, ankle bracelets shouldn't be applied universally, but there are some circumstances where they might be the best alternative. Um, domestic violence comes in mind um, where maybe the person shouldn't be sitting in pretrial, but we want to make sure that they're also not returning to the house that the victim's in. Um, so there are some circumstances that I'm comfortable with with ankle bracelets. I'm not sure that they change anything about our homicide rate. I mean, we're keeping them people can find right now and our homicide rate continues to climb. So I'm not sure that that those are necessarily linked. I don't think there's any data to support that that's linked. Um, but, and I, but I do think that providing um, services from the beginning at the time that somebody is booked on a charge and leading up to the time that they're resolved and working um, to get them on a great path from the beginning, that could change a murder rate. Kayla, um, overall, how do you see, um, you know, sort of people's fear that crime could get worse in St. Louis if we let more people out versus what you understand about the reality? Yeah, so I'll say a couple of things. One, we have a violence problem in the city of St. Louis. That's not a fact that any of us can ignore. And last year, the Close the Workhouse campaign was one of the most vocal supporters of cure violence in the city. We mobilized our base, our resources to amplify the call of our partners, CAPCAR, in the field, um, pre putting pressure on the board of ENA and the auditors to increase that funding. And we've seen success um, in uh, getting that funding, and now we want to see implementation. I think beyond that, when we first started this campaign, um, and there were over 800 folks in the workhouse, St. Louis had a violence problem. And now that there are less than 250 people in the workhouse, St. Louis has a violence problem. And what we know about violence is that it is perpetuated in extreme conditions, such as high levels of poverty, low levels of education. And when we cage people in pretrial and we leave them, we release them into devastation, they are more likely at that point, actually, to commit another crime versus letting people out pretrial. What the, what the Bell Project has done in their um, data collection around the work that they've said is when they bail someone out, 90% of the time, those people are coming to court to fight their cases, and those cases are dropped. They're able to go home. They're able to be with their families. They're able to work. We have to invest in those kind of underlying things, such as education, access to opportunities. St. Louis thrives when we put our money into people, not into cages. Kayla Reed, co-founder of Close the Workhouse 2.0, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. And Mary Pat Carl, a candidate for circuit attorney, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.